This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. You're listening to A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast program. Welcome. This is A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast show with Andrea and Alice. Our community is made up of so many amazing and diverse groups of people, as are the programs on Joy 94.9. There is something there for everyone. A little pot of joy is where we highlight just some of these amazing programs. We would like to show our respect and acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land, of elders past and present of the Kulin Nation, whose land we are broadcasting from. We're opening the evening with a podcast from QNN, Community News. News and information for the lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans and intersex communities of Australia and the world. QNN is produced and podcast by Jacob Holman and broadcast nationally via the Community Radio Network. So if you miss the community highlights, podcasts are available for download from the JOY website, joy.org.au forward slash QNN. This is A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast program. Made in Melbourne, for Australia and the world, this is the JOY 94.9 GLBTIQ News Roundup, a weekly update of what's been happening in the gay, lesbian, bisexual, trans and intersex communities. G'day and welcome to QNN. I'm Adam Samuel. And I'm Alastair Kingston. Supporters of same-sex marriage believe former Prime Minister Julia Gillard's change of heart on the issue shows others can do it too. Ms Gillard, who previously voted against gay marriage in Parliament, announced she's changed her mind and given the chance, again, would vote yes. However, she says she doesn't support a plebiscite or referendum and wants the matter resolved through a conscience vote by the Parliament after the next election. Prime Minister Tony Abbott hit back at Gillard's comment that a people's vote on same-sex marriage was illogical and dangerous, saying she'll get her say just like everyone else. More than 150 people gathered outside Sydney's Daily Telegraph newspaper to protest the media coverage that resulted in the New South Wales Education Minister banning Gaby Baby from being shown during class time in schools. Burwood Girls High had planned to screen the film as part of Wear It Purple Day. However, following a front-page article and an opinion piece in the paper, Education Minister Adrian Piccoli ruled it couldn't be shown unless it was directly related to a subject being studied by the students. Several teachers from the school joined the protest along with Greens MP John Kay, who told the rally that the Daily Telegraph thinks it's right to stir up homophobia in the community. The film's director, Maya Newell, has stated that the film itself isn't political, but given the current marriage equality debate, the context it's being viewed in is. To the United States now, and a former TV reporter who shot dead two former colleagues on live TV claimed he'd experienced homophobia and racism while working at the station. Vester Lee Flanagan filmed himself shooting and killing reporter Alison Parker and cameraman Adam Ward while they were conducting a live on-air interview. Flanagan, who died of self-inflicted injury, sent a note to another TV station identifying himself as a gay black man and that he's experienced racism and homophobia. It's been reported Flanagan also alleged bullying at the Virginia TV station and that he was attacked by black men and white females. Still in the US and there's anger over a costume being advertised ahead of this year's Halloween that's seen to be mocking Caitlyn Jenner's transition. The Call Me Caitlyn costume being sold online recreates the outfit Jenner wore on her Vanity Fair cover earlier this year, but the images promoting it feature it being worn by a masculine male model. A petition's been started urging for the costume to be taken off the market, labelling it exploitative and transphobic. A representative from Spirit Halloween, the company that manufactured the costumes, attempted to justify 
the design by claiming it aimed to celebrate Caitlyn Jenner. Briefly now, Ireland's been awarded the Medal of Honor Legacy Award by the Gay Games for its support of same-sex marriage. Russia has shut down the country's only LGBTI film festival, citing economic issues. Popular hookup app Grinder has seen a rise in ice dealers in a disturbing report by Queensland's Courier Mail. Well, it's been reported the Australian government will confirm its policy on a same-sex marriage vote within the next week or two. After the recent party room vote on same-sex marriage, Prime Minister Tony Abbott noted the coalition would continue binding MPs against reform until the next federal election due next year, and that the party was working on a new position centering on a plebiscite or referendum. However, the Australian Greens have presented a cross-party bill to the Senate to ensure any plebiscite or vote is not held on the PM's terms. The party says the vote must be at the next federal election at the latest, and that Parliament, not the Prime Minister, must shape the question that is asked of the public. New figures show in the two years since same-sex marriage was legalised in New Zealand, more than 1,200 couples have tied the knot. Tellingly, while civil unions are still available, the number of couples taking this option has plummeted over the past few years, from 303 in 2012 to just 51 last year. A large number of overseas couples continue to head to New Zealand to marry, including Australians, with 391 foreigners getting hitched there in 2014. New Zealand passed its marriage equality bill in April 2013 in a 77-44 vote after only a two-hour debate. Still overseas and the White House has hired its first transgender official. Rafi Friedman Gerspen has been appointed as an outreach and recruitment director for presidential personnel. She previously worked as a policy advisor for the National Center for Transgender Equality's Racial and Economic Justice Initiative. Trans advocates hailed the appointment as a vital step forward for the LGBT community and for ensuring the US government includes the voices and experiences of all Americans. In other US news, Texas has welcomed its first gender dysphoria clinic, a big step for the otherwise conservative state. The Children and Adolescent Gender Clinic opened earlier this month and aims to work with youth and their parents as they journey through their transitions. Leading the charge is Dr Hector Granados, who says there's nothing wrong with being heterosexual, it's just more common, just like there's nothing wrong with being transgender, it's just less common. It's been revealed the man accused of a stabbing attack at Jerusalem's gay pride parade had previously been convicted of a similar attack. The Jerusalem Post reports Yeshai Schlesel, who's been charged with murder and six counts of murder during the July attack, had previously served 10 years in jail for stabbing three people at the city's 2005 Pride Parade. Meantime, a committee examining Israel's police performance before and during the parade is expected to recommend five senior officers be removed from their posts after intelligence reports failed to identify Schlesel as a potential security threat to the event. Briefly now, Emma Watson has taken to Twitter to praise Britain's first active rugby league player to come out as gay, calling Keegan Hurst courageous and a hero. Thousands of people took to the streets of Glasgow for Scotland's largest LGBT pride parade. The UN Security Council's had its first ever briefing on LGBTI issues, with a focus on atrocities allegedly committed by Islamic State against same-sex attracted people in Iraq and Syria. And Adelaide marks 40 years since the decriminalisation of homosexuality in South Australia. And which infamous James Bond villain is coming out of the closet? We'll find out right after QNN Sport with Tanya Lewis. The Brisbane Hustlers Rugby Club are headed to New Zealand to defend their Purchase Cup title. The Hustlers will be joined by the Sydney Convicts and Melbourne Chargers as Auckland-based team the New Zealand Falcons host the Rugby Cup for the first time. The event will take place on September 5 at Ponzonby Rugby Club in Auckland, New Zealand. 
In South Dakota, a legislator is calling for transgender athletes to show their birth certificates and have a genital exam before competing in sports. Republican legislator Roger Hunt created the rule in response to the South Dakota High School Activities Association, allowing its students to decide what gender they want to compete as. The Activities Board of Directors has since voted to maintain its current policy, but a backlash from legislators is expected in the future. And finally, English professional rugby player Sam Stanley has come out in the Times newspaper and has the full backing of his Ealing Trailfinders club. Stanley has spent the past year struggling with the decision of how to come out publicly as he is tired of the lies and deceit that come with hiding your sexuality. The 23-year-old was inspired to tweet the news after the coming out of fellow rugby player Keegan Hurst last week. Thanks, Tanya. And in an upcoming book based on James Bond by Anthony Horowitz, Pussy Galore is getting a makeover, this time as a lesbian. The book, entitled Trigger Mortis, is changing the character and due for release in November. A spokesperson from the estate of Ian Fleming has approved the change and is considering adapting the book into a movie. And that's what's being shaken and not stirred into your LGBT martini glass this week. I'm Alistair Kingston. And I'm Adam Samuel. You're on Joy 94.9 and this is A Little Pot of Joy with your hosts, Andrea and Alice. Up next from the new Drive team, Jackson Greta. Enter the stage, Jax and Greta, Joy 94.9's new Monday Drive Show crew. They're an outrageous duo set to discuss the more factual aspects of everyday life and then some. On their first live show together, the two speak about celebrities stepping out in public, but never in suits and ugg boots. The first day of spring, getting rid of exes, nightmare on Elm Street being educational material, and then tram strikes. The beautiful view from Joy 94.9 studio instills terror in Greta. How did Cranes manage to stay up? There is too much to tell you here. You just have to go and listen to the entire podcast. That's right. And you can listen to the entire podcast by downloading it from the Joy website, joy.org.au forward slash Jax and Greta. That's Jax with an X. Or download it for free from the iTunes store. You're listening to A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast program. That's right. Best of both worlds. On Joy with Jax and Greta, we are with you until 7pm. And my God, what a show. Jackie. Yes. You helped out with the tram strike last <laughs> week, didn't you? They didn't pay me exactly, but I, I well, I mean, I start a new job tomorrow, so I'm, I'm doing that whole doing nothing for a few weeks before you start. Anyway, so I was walking around last week just telling people that were waiting at tram stops that their trams weren't coming. <laughs> This is what I do, Matt. Jackie, Jackie apologises. <laughs> so I'm sorry, but I am busy on Friday, so I won't be able to come around to all the train stations and tell them. Do you think wow. you could go to HR and ask whether you could have Friday off? Oh, maybe. Yeah, yeah. It's only her first week, so yeah. surely they'll That's give right. her some time. But I'm a wrong. pretty helpful member of society. AO. Why do you sit in so, silence yeah. when I say that? <laughs> Rude pigs. Uh-oh. Matt and I have only just met and we gave each other a bit of a look, I think, just then. And G-Dog. Mm. <laughs> I, um, I, I live with my, my stupid, stupid partner and I did have to buy him something a bit weird on the weekend. Uh, okay. <laughs> that I want to talk to you about. I'd like to hear about it. Like, I don't it. know if the relationship has gone too far. I'm nervous. I'm, I'm nervous to tell you this. <laughs> You're on joy. 94.9 and we're nervous. Now, Jackie. Yes. Can you please, for our listeners, paint a picture of your boyfriend Zach? I can. So um, he he's a, he's I like to call him an enabler, mm-hmm. um, but he enjoys his food, and therefore I, I have to eat a lot of food as well. Mm-hmm. What kind of food? He does particularly enjoy like like American, um, like a lot of smoked 
meats. Like we actually have a smoker at our house. Wow. Okay. So like ribs, bacon. Ribs and bacon and burgers and things that you eat with your hands that aren't very sexy to eat. Things that you have to lick your fingers for, Greta. Stuff you really want to be in a relationship or a good friend needs to be around. <laughs> yeah, because otherwise it's just not sexy. The kind of food that makes you feel a bit hungover. <laughs> the kind of food that you should only eat when you're hungover. But this is what my boyfriend eats all the time. Okay, so what did you have to buy him? Mm, so this was the incident <laughs> on Sunday morning when that lazy, fat idiot wanted to get out of bed, kept going, ugh. Uh, I was like, what What can I do for you? I was feeling particularly generous on Sunday morning, I might add, Greta. So what, what do you want? What, what can I do to make you shut up? I had to go out on Sunday morning, 8am, and buy him Gaviscon. <laughs> his indigestion was so bad. To settle his stomach from so much. From so much food on Saturday. Wow. We did eat uh, a lot of cheese on Saturday. Yeah, like okay. quite a lot of cheese. And then we went out for dinner to a Lebanese restaurant. So I think you need to have like a salad only intervention come this weekend. <laughs> you try doing that. You've met him. I have met him. So my question is, what have you had to buy something weird for your stupid idiot of a partner? Something a bit maybe confronting. Yeah, that you just feel a bit like this has gone too far the weird things that you've had to buy for your partner because of love because of just if obligation. <laughs> yeah, I think sometimes if someone asks a favour of you, it can be really difficult to mm. say no. Exactly. And we've had a good one in from, from Sarah who's, um, who's got a bit of a reverse story actually. It's not something that she had to buy but something that had to be bought for her. Go on. She had to go get laxatives. Ooh. Ooh. See, personally, I would probably just go into the pharmacy myself rather than ask my the person that sees me naked to buy laxatives. But you know, sometimes I like to, their own. Sometimes I like to keep these things on me because you never know the experience that someone is having around you. That's it's true. just like having headache tablets or whatever. You've got it. You want to be a practical person. You want to be handy. Oh, and Graham's just texted in. My mother had to buy Voltaren suppositories for my dad but neither was successful in inserting. Oh, come on. Graham. <laughs> well, look, we, we, we asked for it. Well, people tend to have a lot of health issues, it would seem, <laughs> in relationships. Though I think, Zax, I think your boyfriend's health issues are sort of bacon-induced and bread-induced. I think that sorry sack of you-know-what needs to get out of bed on a Sunday and buy his own bloody indigestion medicine. <laughs> Maybe you should get him some for his That's next what birthday, I Jackie. Think. Yeah, or whatever. You all listen to Joy 949. You're listening to Joy. <laughs> Jackie, I've got a bit of a story for you. Please. So on Friday night I was heading into the city. Okay. So I walked, I'm pretty lucky, I, I live near quite a few tram lines. Yes. So I walked down to one of them and as I was, I could see the tram in the distance so I started to sort of, you know, kick up a bit of a pace for it. And as I was heading towards it, I spotted a really cute girl at the tram stop. Oh. Yeah, so which was unfortunate that I was running towards it in not a very sexy way but we won't go into you that. You always look a bit pathetic running for the tram. You do, don't you? <laughs> and she noticed the tram as well and suddenly she left the tram stop she ran across the road went into a house which I can only assume is her own like a share house kind of house 
and managed to make it back in time to get on the tramp. So I don't know. Woman. If, yeah, she'd forgotten her like Mikey or whatever, oh, yeah, okay. but she made it back. Anyway, we were kind of sitting near each other. And I go, oh, please, what are you doing? Oh, I checked her out. <laughs> and I did the old, you know, you look, because uh, I, I was a bit flustered when I got into the tram, I wanted to like fix up my hair and just make sure like my clothes were all straight before I got off the tram again. So I looked into the window and because it was nighttime, I could see my reflection and in turn I could see her reflection. Okay. You didn't have that awkward thing where she was then looking at the reflection and then she saw you looking at her reflection? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I mean, that's never happened to me. I don't know. Again. <laughs> it was, luckily, it wasn't quite that complex. Anyway, okay. she got off. I continued on my journey. She became a memory, a nice memory. Oh, well, that's a bit sad. Well, here's the thing. Saturday morning comes around. And mm. f- for those of you listening, Jackie and I and a few of our friends, we go what we call run club on Saturday mornings. We all go for a jog. We jog for about 10 minutes and then go get <laughs> breakfast. It's really very... <laughs> Very sad. I sort of walk jog for 10 minutes. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to talk myself up. Anyway, so, and I'm not sexy for run club. I wear very frumpy, comfortable clothes. I wear old leggings and sneakers that I desperately need to replace. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, I, I agree. Yeah, <laughs> you you've do need seen to get it. them replaced. Yeah, you've seen it. So we do our run club. We're all a bit sweaty and gross. And we go to our local cafe to get our regular Saturday morning coffee. And mm. I'm feeling all a bit, you know, Richard Branson on Saturday morning. <laughs> so I put up my hand and say, right, guys, this one's on me. I storm into the cafe with my FPOS card, ready to, you know, spend big bucks on everyone's coffee. And $12. Who's standing there? No. New member of the staff. My little, my little, Your little tram crush. My little tram crush. Really? Yeah. Was there a, um, like a glimmer of recognition on her behalf? Do you oh think? yeah. Yeah. Really? Oh yeah. She gave me a a good look, and I was kind of like, why don't I have nice sports clothes? Wait, is she gay? Oh yeah. Oh okay. Well, I'm guessing. The, the gay world's a small world. The gay world seem. is a small. <laughs> look, <laughs> I'm just guessing, but I'm going to say she is. So next time we go out, remind me. To have some nicer clothes on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to set a reminder in my phone. That makes me kind of nervous. Really? Well, no, I just, you know, what if I don't meet another cute person on the street? Well, you've got the one at the cafe. We're going to stalk her. All right, all right. <laughs> okay. Well, definitely tune in next week then to hear how my stalking's going. You're on Joy 94.9 and this is all part of Joy with your hosts, Andrea and Alice. Up next from World Wide Wave, Iran. To peel back the veil on gay life in Iran, the team spoke with Hossein Alizadar, Middle East and North Africa Program Coordinator for the International Gay and Lesbian Human Rights Commission. In Iran, we find a part of the world where LGBTI people struggle for acceptance. But what is the current state of affairs? What role is the internet playing? And how can organisations get resources to the community? And if you just can't listen to the show live, download the podcast from the Joy website, joy.org.au, or the iTunes store. This is A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast program. Indeed, it is worldwide wave time, the show that takes you around the globe one country at a time. Tonight in the studio, we've got Paul. Hello. Hello, Dean. Good day. And myself, Matt. We're heading to a part of the country where LGBT people struggle to be accepted. It's a country where if you're found to be gay, it could result in a death penalty. But the government actually partly funds sex change operations for trans people. Tonight, we're heading to Iran. As the world seemingly gets smaller through internet access, how does Iranian gays and lesbians source their information? 
What work is being done to empower local LGBT people with local knowledge to get themselves out of trouble when arrested or harassed by the police? And when even a simple win in LGBT rights is cause for celebration, what baby steps are being made with the media in Iran? Now, the person that we are speaking with tonight is Hossein Alazadar, and Hossein is from the International Gay and Lesbian Human Rights Commission. Uh, they have released recently a report which aims to empower the LGBT community within Iran. And we asked Hussein to paint us a picture of what life is like for gay and lesbian people in Iran at the moment. Primarily, the Iranian legal system criminalises same-sex relations between consenting adults. So if you happen to be a gay or a lesbian person and be involved in a romantic relationship, you can expect a great deal of pressure both from the society and also from the government. Based on the research that we have done, primarily individuals have been threatened by members of their own family and by their co-workers. Also, growing up, being a member of the LGBT community is an extremely difficult experience because in school, for example, classmates pick on you constantly. You're subject to bullying and harassment at a young age. In a lot of cases, we have stories and testimonies about individuals even being subject to regular physical and sexual harassment without any kind of reaction from the authorities, from school principals, from members of the family. So when you grow up in such an environment, you always assume that there's something wrong with you. First of all, you don't know the terminology uh, many people have no understanding of sexual orientation and gender identity. So when they feel that they are different, they can't really articulate what they are and what they want. They just feel that it's a shameful and simple feeling that they have, that they are subject to humiliation by other people, but they really don't understand it. What about access to the Internet so that people can see what's happening outside Iran? The government blocks access to information for individuals. Internet websites are constantly being basically monitored and checked by the government. The access to websites that provide information about sexuality in general and sexual orientation and gender identity in particular is being blocked by the authorities. And anybody who dares to discuss issues related to homosexuality may be subject to government punishment, including um, being fired from your job if you are a member of academia or if you are a journalist, you, know, you can end up in jail. So there are all sorts of restrictions in the society that makes it literally impossible for individuals to learn more about sexual orientation and gender identity. And then you have systematic punishment, both by the government and by the society, which is brainwashed to accept that homosexuality is a form of sexual perversion and is a sickness. So you really have no way out of this uh, miserable system of living. We are in Iran tonight and uh, we asked our guest, uh, who works for the International Gay and Lesbian Human Rights Commission, 
which has released a, re a resource for the LGBT community within Iran. However, the LGBT community is effectively invisible in Iran, so we asked Hussein how do they get these resources to the right people. When we started our program, we thought a lot about the ways that we, have, we can have an impact within the Iranian society. As I mentioned, the government monitors and controls all the media. It has a monopoly over radio and TV. It is illegal for individuals to watch broadcasts from overseas, though a lot of people have access to illegal satellite programs. And then you also have very limited access to internet. So what we decided to do is that, well, let's start with the media. Let's talk about the vocabulary, how we can discuss and frame uh, sexual orientation and gender identity. Is it a form of sexual scandal or is it a human rights issue? So three years ago, we started a very detailed media training program for Persian broadcasters overseas. Over the past three years, we've been working with a number of international broadcasters, such as Voice of America, BBC Persian, Deutsche Welle, and other broadcasters, in order to train the journalists, the Iranian journalists who are working with those media outlets to understand how to discuss homosexuality, even the vocabulary that they use. So should they use derogatory terminology that is commonly used in the uh, pro-government media, or they should avoid those vocabulary. And you can already see the impact of that, how the media has changed the language. You can see even some of the state-controlled media have used more neutral language talking about sexual orientation and gender identity. Though still they are extremely hostile to uh, LGBT community, but you can see the language has shifted gradually. One area where you have been working on change programs is on social media. Can you tell us a bit about that? A lot of Iranians use social media, especially Facebook. We try to basically promote concepts around LGBT work online over the Facebook, over Google+, and other social media networks that are available. We're about to launch a comic strip that's the story of two Iranian gay men that fell in love with each other. This is an extremely engaging story that is written for average Iranians who may not understand issues related to homosexuality but may have seen or encountered individuals who are gay or lesbian or trans. And this is an effort in order to talk to the public in a way that they can understand what pain and suffering the individuals go through because of who they are. You've got some very innovative programs to speak to the public there, but religion is a very dominant part of life in Iran, and any voices outside of the strict religious interpretations are pretty much discarded. How do you take on that deep-rooted religious influence in Iran? Uh, a great question that you asked is about religion, and yes, I must say that unfortunately the religious narrative about homosexuality, which is extremely negative, has overshadowed people's judgment about this issue. And this is one of the issues that constantly comes up, even among people who are not necessarily believers in religion, but they feel that there's so much pressure on them to explain the notion of homosexuality within the religious framework. So we've been working with religious scholars and activists who are familiar with this field, part of the new publication that we put out is about the issue of Islam and homosexuality. 
we've been trying to communicate with religious scholars in Iran so that we can explain that this is not a form of perversion as they believe. It's just a normal occurrence of basically expression of love and affection between individuals who happen to be attracted to members of the same sex. And that conversation started a few years back. Over the past few years, we have seen voices that are very quietly within the religious community talking about these issues, though it is not still at the level that we would like to see. And I'm hoping that in the near future, we would see more and more of these conversations, because we really believe that part of the religious homophobia that we are facing in Iran is a result of ignorance about issues related to specifically sexual orientation, but also gender identity. We would like to thank Hussein Al-Assad from the International Gay and Lesbian Human Rights Commission. And you can find that report on their website, iglhrc.org. Heap of people on Facebook, including our great friend Liao in Singapore. We'll catch you next week on the World Wide Wave. You're listening to Joy 94.9, and this is A Little Pot of Joy with Alice and Andrea. Up next from the Community Highlights, Purple Bombers Pride Events. The Purple Bombers are the LGBTI fan base of the Essendon Football Club. Their pre-match event held on Saturday the 15th of August at Etihad Stadium marks the first official sanctioned Pride event to be conducted during the AFL Premiership season. Dean Beck was there to capture this landmark occasion exclusively for Join 94.9, so it's pretty exciting. And you can listen to the entire podcast by downloading it from the Joy website, joy.org.au forward slash community highlights, or download it for free from the iTunes store. You're listening to A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast program. My name's Jade Gulliver. I'm a member of the Purple Bombers Committee. When it was suggested today that I stand here and, and talk in front of everyone, uh, I thought, this is ridiculous, I was terrified, <laughs> in case it's not obvious. Um, I much prefer to live my life similar to Essendon's motto, gently in manner, resolute in execution. But uh, I felt really compelled to, to speak today and tell my story. The Gullivers were not always Essendon supporters. Traditionally, they were Carlton fans. It was my... <laughs> It was my nan, a woman of four foot eleven, who managed to convert her three children to mad Essendon fans, and she continued her mission, converting all her grandchildren too. In one generation, she single-handedly managed to ensure the Gullivers are all Essendon tragics. Now, to be a Gulliver is to be a bomber. Just ask anyone who's married to one of us. So many of my childhood memories are tied to key moments in Essendon history. The time Sheeds waved his jacket, the first Anzac Day game, listening to the radio with my nan during the 1993 preliminary final and telling her at halftime things are about to turn our way. Being so bored waiting in traffic on the way out to Waverley and threatening to get out of the car and walk. (laughs) Running onto the ground after a game at Windy Hill to get Scott Cummings to sign my jumper. In a world where I often feel so different, football has been an equaliser, a conversation starter for my dad and I a common language to make small talk with my co-workers, a sense of family pride and a community. When my girlfriend, now wife, moved from the United States nine years ago to be with me, the thing I was most proud to share with her was the Bombers. She's now as passionate as I am. We are members who organise our lives around the fixture. (laughs) Inspired by my nan, I've made it my mission to introduce this great club 
to the many people in my life, including my best friend who had never been to a football game, visiting friends from the US and a friend's boyfriend who was visiting from the UK. It's been my opportunity to say, look what awesome tribe I am a part of. The process of coming out is something that never stops. When I was coming out, I didn't know any other gay people and it was incredibly isolating to live in that world. I eventually found support and friendship through Joy and it was my experience with them and the push from my wife that gave me the confidence to step forward and join the Purple Bombers. We live in a world where we get put into boxes. My hope for the Purple Bombers is not that we will change the world's need to categorise, just that we can ensure the words gay and football fan don't need to be put into separate boxes. <laughs> the Purple Bombers is so important to me because I love Essendon as though it is my family and I want more than anything is to feel accepted by that family. I also want to make football a safe place for GLBT people. I can't help but think of the young football fans who are now coming to terms with their sexuality. My hope for them is that they will hear about Purple Bombers and know that they don't need to turn away to find acceptance. Football has a place for them. They won't ever experience going to the football and hear homophobic slurs disguised as passion for the game. When the Essendon Football Club announced the establishment of Purple Bombers last year, the first thing I felt was pride. My club, my family was telling the world I was accepted. It's that feeling that is the foundation of the amazing group of Purple Bombers I've had the pleasure to work with and I can't wait to continue to spread that across the AFL. Thank you. You're listening to Joy 94.9 and this is Little Pot of Joy with Andrea Nellis. Up next from Tag Team, Matthew Mitchum tags in. The guys talk about coming out. What happens when you're coming out to your housemate? How do you approach it? What level of awkward is this going to be? And what if your housemate is the straightest guy ever? So if you missed the show live, podcasts are available for download from the Joy website, joy.org.au forward slash tag team. This is A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast program. You are listening to the Tag Team on Joy 94.9. Before the song, Shwani, you were teasing us about how you recently come out to somebody so close to you. Correct. So close, they didn't know. Correct. Give it to me. Uh, it was it was my new housemate. Oh. Yeah. Now, for those who don't know, Sean's just moved into a, quite a straight household. It's him and three straight men. Yes. Dirty and, um, dirties. One's in like a singer in a quite a popular cool band. I oh, can't see One's that. Uh, now like... are going to think it's like... Like, now they're going to want to know what it is. I don't know. I'm mo- moving it on. One's like a... Uh, anime-watching nerd who's in his is room. It Jared, is, is it Jared Leto? Yes. Um, and then the the cool one who I hang out with the most so far. Are they listening? Because you're really... No. Okay, I'm just checking. No, they're sleeping right now. I've checked. I've got a web camera set up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's like a teacher and he plays football and uh, he was thinking about getting Tinder. Yeah. Um, and was asking me, like, you know, what's the dating world like on yeah. there, et cetera. What are the What are the boobs like, man? He said, have, how... Tell me about the tell me about the Tinder titties. But he said, how are you and the... Have you had any luck with the chicks on there? And I just realised, and, and you just said, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I think... Um, let's role play it, okay? Okay. Okay, so I'll be um, I'll be the housemate and, and you be cute. All right, Because that's on. how role yeah, play this, works. We've got to, this is... Okay, so I'm just silence. swiping through the app. All so right. I'm thinking, oh man, there is some rock solid hotties on here. Mm-hmm. Hey, Schwano, mm-hmm. how uh, how uh, how are you finding the Tinder titties, mate? Oh. <laughs> sorry. Uh, sorry, sorry. What? Did- how are you finding the Tinder titties, mate? 
Oh. Since you moved into this house of pleasure. <laughs> uh, it's not a brothel. It's not a brothel. Oh, uh, hey, cool housemate. Um, well, actually, uh, I'm, I'm gay. What? <laughs> <laughs> you get out of here. I didn't, I didn't have a Because you get out of here. Have I told you I can play the piano? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gay, I tells you. <laughs> okay, so it went quite well, though. Despite the role play, you're saying it went quite well. Yeah, no, he quickly just said, oh, you had any luck with the lads? Oh, that's good. Yeah. And then you had to say, not even. <laughs> not even. No, I'm oh, just... Oh, that's good. I'm glad it went well. Yeah. I, uh, it's fun. It's fun. Yeah, it is um, fun. Yeah. I know, I mean, you know, there's obviously... Well, you're probably in love with him, let's be honest. Are you in love with him? <laughs> no. <laughs> You've got a, reputa- you got a reputation for falling... falling for straight men, so... Yeah. That's where I thought this was going to end up. No, I just I had to come out to someone close to me, and that's it. Um, and But but is it a coincidence that now he wants to move out? <laughs> <laughs> Which brings me to my next dilemma. <laughs> he wants to move out. <laughs> He's al- he had already been talking about this before that, yeah. so that's... That's but, not connected. But despite that, give it to us in, in minutes. So you said you told him you were gay. How many minutes later were you discussing the fact that he's getting the hell out of there? No. Complete, minutes. No, it went Minutes. Th- it's, it's been, I've been in the house just a bit over a week. The guy had already been discussing um, he'll be the next to go because he's going to travel. Yeah. His auntie's offered him yeah. some cheap rent until he's made some yeah. cash. I don't know when. He's like, I don't know when I'll go. <laughs> and then all of a sudden he's gone. Okay. Well, replacing him, hmm. is it okay to um, <laughs> potentially have someone fill the room who I've not met in real life, but have been talking to on um, the Orange app? Yes, I think so. You think that's okay? Yeah, I think that's right. Or is that... That's no different to getting like a stranger off uh, any website. But I've been talking to this person not knowing that maybe they'd end up a housemate. This is like hmm. a potential suitor. How long have you been talking to him for? Oh, on and off. You've actually met him. It's, oh, I have met him. This goes against my story. We've met for one minute in Sydney on that weekend of debauchery. He just happened well, to have been there on that, right. that water polo adventure. I reckon. That, I reckon that's all right. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay. You will. Um. So you're gonna. You, you'll make it. You're gonna make it a majority gay house, though. No. It's, this is what they call. The, you know when. Um, it's two and two. Hysterical straight people talk about the gay agenda. You're doing. The, you are. This is the gay agenda. I just. That's what this is. Taking. Take a normal house, and fill it with pink. I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking. I commend you. That if I've already expressed interest and we've been conversing via an app, yep. that maybe being next door to each other in a house. Well, you'll have to put a ban on. You'll have to put a ban on um, any extra like relations. Days of the week, or no, no, any extra relations. It'll just have to be housemates, plain and simple. Lol, as if. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's my question. Does it work? Is it okay to uh, screw the crew? Is that what you're asking? Yeah. Don't. Where you lie? Have no. you heard that expression? Nope. Oh no! Well, I've heard it just then, loud and revoltingly clear. You're listening to Joy ninety four point nine, and this has been a little pot of joy with Andrea and Alice. And we've come to the end of another great evening. But how's that uh, podcast about how to come out to your partner? Uh, sorry, to your flatmates. To your flatmates. I love it. I mean, I'm glad that it went really well. It- and how about Jax and Greta? I'm loving the new Monday Drive team. Oh, fantastic! There's yin and yang there. Yeah. <laughs> They've got a great energy. They're so funny. Oh, they're just so amazing. You really need to tune in on a Monday night, four till seven. That's right. Four till seven on a Monday for Jax and Greta. So you probably just miss them if you're listening to us, but... (laughs) 
And I, I just feel like they're going to get better and better. I feel like they've got a lot of potential. Oh, those two girls are just insane. It's going to be great. And you can find the more complete podcast on the Joy website, joy.org.au, or download them for free from the iTunes store. You've been listening to A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast program. See joy.org.au and click on our podcast link to subscribe to your favorite podcasts free. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organization, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.